It's really good to be in church this morning, isn't it? Uh, it's good to be here, and it was good to be here yesterday eating chili. It's good to be here today not. Uh, enjoyed both. Uh, it was awesome to see the turnout and those of you who were able to be out here and help. Uh, thank all of you who helped do everything random from setting up tables to uh, doing, a, you know, helping wince the bounce house back and forth into the into the shelter and all that fun stuff. Um, you never know what you're going to experience. Um, this is my odd observation before I get into the actual message. I used to do prison ministry years ago, and nothing reminds me of prison ministry more than that song that we just sang. I don't know why, but that was always like, is that still an inmate favorite when I, I don't, I would assume so. <laughs> you know, it's about getting away, I guess. Uh, I always thought, it, you know, it was kind of an interesting song, but yeah, it was always an inmate favorite, at least when we used to do prison ministry back in Terre Haute. Uh, although, you know, I, I don't know if breaking out and going to Terre Haute would be any better than being, no, just kidding. Sorry. I grew up there, so I can say that. Don't, don't be offended. Um, I'm going to talk about one verse when we get started, and then we're going to go somewhere completely uh, different. This morning, uh, if you will, turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, because I want to talk about this one little verse to get started. And uh, John Graves actually uh, reminded me of what the message was going to be this morning, last Sunday morning. He didn't even know it, but he, he let me know. Uh, we're going to talk about... You think if God says something in the Old Testament and then repeats it in the New Testament, it's important? Say there were one verse that were quoted in the New Testament more than any other verse that was quoted in the New Testament or, or referenced in, in the New Testament. Would you say that's a pretty important verse? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that verse is this one that's on the screen, Psalm 118.22. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Six times in the New Testament, it goes right back to that same thought. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, theologically, we know that cornerstone to be Jesus Christ. Why? Because he came to this earth. He didn't offer the things that people wanted. Does that sound familiar? He didn't offer what we wanted. Uh, people wanted an earthly kingdom with an earthly ruler, and he came and brought peace. They didn't want peace. They wanted war. They wanted someone who would be a conquering king, right? Not a, not a lamb that would be sacrificed. So we have the cornerstone talking this morning about building on the rock again. The picture of the cornerstone is this. It is the piece of the building that not only holds the whole building together, but it's the piece of the building by which every other angle is set. Am I preaching it right, John? Okay. Because the cornerstone is set at a 90-degree angle, and all the other 90-degree angles are set off the cornerstone. And if the cornerstone is wrong... I worked in construction long enough to know this. If there's one spot in the house that's wrong, that's the spot you base everything else off of, it's, nothing is level, right? 
nothing fits. I, I understand. I have a house that was built in 1954, uh, and we decided to hang kitchen cabinets. And a house that was built over a crawl space in 1954. Those of you in the construction business are smiling because you know exactly what happened. You put a line here and a line here. And you try to put a level across that line. And you try to put a level across that line and try to line everything up. And then when you hang it on the wall, it goes like that, not like that. Because nothing's level, Right? If we aren't anchored to Christ, if we aren't built around Christ, if our foundation isn't Jesus, we're not going to be level. We're not going to be where we need to be. Can I just tell you this morning uh, a couple of things before we get into the meat of the message? I was really excited to see, after we mentioned some ministries and after we mentioned some restarts and some resets last Sunday morning, I was really excited to see the response. I, almost, I barely got out of here in time to get to my son's game. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> Which was awesome. I, an awesome response. But can I tell you as we're building a, a couple of things, um, construction makes a mess. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you this just as your pastor and, and I'm sure Jason would agree. As, as you start building things, you create a mess. And if you're here this morning and this is your first time visiting, just pardon the mess. We're under construction. I should just put a sign out in front. Because um, when you get to building, I think of that. I drive by the Costco they're building on Rockville Road every week. And every week I see a bigger mess. Everything is not where it's supposed to be, and, and they keep saying, oh, it's going to be open like six weeks, and I'm like excited because I don't want to have to drive all the way to the north side of town to go to Costco. Um, so I'm excited that it's going to be there. But looking at it now, I'm like, how in the world? Like, the walls weren't even up two weeks ago, and it's a big mess. How's it going to become something? It's going to become something because that master builder has a plan right? They have a plan. They know what they're doing. Jesus knows what he's doing. He knows what he's building. I want to say this. Whose we are determines who we are. Who we are determines what we do. Did you catch what I said there? Let me repeat that. Whose we are determines who we are. So if we belong to Jesus, who determines who we are? Jesus does. Jesus does. We all have a ministry. We all have a part in the house that God is building. But you know who finds the true fit? Jesus does. Jesus does. I'm going to tell you about Legos in a few minutes. But, and if I don't tell you about Legos in a few minutes, somebody wave at me and say, what about the Legos? Because I'll probably forget because I didn't write it in my notes. Um, all right. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, if you want to follow along, uh, either on the screen or in your Bible, feel free to follow along either direction. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called uncircumcision, which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants and promise, having no hope without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you ones who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Stop right there. We're going we're gonna to go all the way through verse 22, but I just want to stop you there to see where we are and where we have come from. Uh, I promise you as we get more into what we're doing uh, with what God is building here, we'll get away from this theme a little bit, but how many of you in here are Jewish? Any Jewish people in Okay. No, not a one. Okay. Okay, good. We're all heathens. That's awesome. Uh, that means we all start on the same foundation. Uh, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, the Jewish population, we're going to get into why that's important uh, when we get into Legos, but what was here is this. It says that you remember you were one time Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by that which is circumcision. I want you to catch what that's saying there. That's saying there at one time you were considered less than. At one time you were considered less than. What changed that? It says, remember at what time, verse 12, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Understand the Old Testament, uh, people could come to Christ by faith, but generally they came to Christ by faith through coming through the Old Testament ordinances and practicing Judaism, we'll get into why that's important in a couple minutes, but then it says what changed everything. By the way, this is what changes everything in your life. What changed everything was Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the what? Blood of Christ. When Christ died for you and me, that changed everything. That changed how we react. That changed how we live. That brought the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, in us, and through us. That Manas Gentiles didn't have to practice the Jewish rituals. All we had to do was come to faith in Jesus Christ and accept the free gift of salvation. That was it. And that doesn't sound like a radical message to us in 21st century America, but let me tell you, it was a radical message to the society they were in. Because let me describe the society they were in. Uh, if you read through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, just to give you a little history. Any of you like history? Okay, a few. Okay, good. The rest of you will be bored to death for the next three minutes. That's all right. Uh, just stick with me. Uh, book of Acts. See that miracle in Acts chapter 2? They all start speaking in different languages. 3,000 people saved in one day from all different kind of ethnicities. And when I say ethnicities, I'm talking about national origin. But you know what was common of all those people? They're all Jews. First five years of the church, what do we see? Missions to Jews. And then what happens? Paul and Barnabas show up in Antioch, and there's all these Gentiles worshiping Jesus. They don't even know what to do with it. These were people who walked with Jesus for three years on this earth. They, they're just at a loss. What do we, Jesus has changed everything to the point that nothing is the same. Can I tell you, Jesus in your life will change everything to the point that nothing is the same. How many of you remember what you used to be like before you were saved? 
I remember that person. I remember looking in the mirror of that person and being ashamed of that person. No, you? Some of you say, well, man, I, didn't, I got saved when I was like eight. Well, good for you. I'm glad you missed all the garbage I went through. That's awesome. You know, that God just saved you from stealing your brother's Legos. That's great. God just st- saved you from lying to your mom. That's awesome. Uh, some of us went through more than that. And some of y'all went through more than I'd ever go through. Some of y'all are waiting to come out. Can I tell you, Jesus wants to change everything in your life. We were once far and disconnected, but we are now connected by Jesus. Every piece fits together. I love Legos. I love Legos. And if you say, man, you, you go a little bit everywhere, that's because I got the ADD, and some of you all got the ADD too. Um, you know what I love about Legos? I don't like building the kits. Some of y'all are kit builders with the Legos. You know, you, you lay out the thing, and you figure out where all the exact pieces go. But the best thing I ever did with Legos in my adult life was I was at a garage sale one day, and this lady had this toad, about an 18-gallon toad. Is that about right, size-wise? Somewhere around there, maybe 12 gallon. I don't even know. But they were all the loose Legos that she had taken apart all the kits and so there were some little Lego guys in there, and there were some, you know, parts that you could tell belonged to, like, a, a vehicle or something. But the coolest thing was there were just loose Legos. You could build whatever you wanted. You could just sit there. Now, you know, half the time you just ended up, like, building some kind of dumb wall. But, you know, you could build what you wanted, and you had... But the awesome thing was with that building, and that's what I want to get to with Jesus, every piece fit together because everything was made by Lego. So they were all made to connect. As we build a church, as we build on the body of Christ, realize God's made us all to connect together. Because you know what a loose Lego does? Just sit there. It's, It's just a loose Lego. The the best the I guess the best thing if you just want to laugh uh, with you with a a loose Lego is if in the middle of the night you hear someone trip over it and it's not you because <laughs> you know they found the Lego with that big toe or with the arch of their foot you know they found it. Uh, it it's what's fitly joined together. Um, once you go ahead and read verse 14 to 18, follow along with me there in Ephesians 2, 14 and 18. So I want you to see there's a connection here between former enemies. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh in the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The connection we have Starting in verse 13, it says that idea of we, we who were once far off were brought near by the blood of Christ. And then verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall 
of hostility. I'm going to need that. Um, Jason, I'm going to need you in just a minute. Uh, <laughs> one thing I love about this church is I just tell random people I'm going to need them during the message and nobody seems to care. Um, sometimes when you read the Bible, you just read the Bible and you miss what was there when you read the Bible. I know that just sounded like a bunch of gibberish. Um, if you could just set that right in front of here, that would be awesome. Okay. So, I want you to see this. What he says in verse 14 is, He himself, our peace, who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jason, come up here and stand behind this wall. <laughs> well, that was the theory. Uh, okay. So Jason's in this room worshiping with us, right? But you don't see him, right? Or maybe you see a foot hanging out or... You know, you guys have the unfortunate privilege of seeing in that direction. Um, when I read this verse, I've read this, I don't know how many times I've read this verse. And before I actually studied it, I was like, what in the world is this talking about? It says, he is making us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I want you to see a picture from the Old Testament temple. Because in the Old Testament temple... There were different areas, all right? There was the court of the women, which was as far as the women could go into the temple. Then there was the court of the Gentiles, and in the court of the Gentiles, there was this huge dividing wall, okay? The Gentiles were allowed here. The women were allowed here. Only the Jews could get in here. So there's a dividing wall. By the way, this is such a big deal when you read the book of Acts. When Paul's thrown into prison in Rome, it's one of those things you're like, what, did he sign a riot against the Roman government? No, no. He was literally thrown into prison as a political prisoner, and his accusation was, come on around with me. His accusation was he brought a Gentile Ephesian past that dividing line. He was thrown into Roman prison for that. You know what Christ did? Christ took that wall away. Jason, can you take that wall away from me? Uh, I'll have to thank Midwest Mold Remediation for the use of that wall this morning. Uh, <laughs> told you I was cheap. Uh, uh, the idea is this. Christ took down that middle wall, that partition that said, you can't come past here, and built a completely new building. Remember the stone that the builders rejected, right? He broke it down, built a completely new building. What's that tell us? That tells us he changes the rules. Verse 15 says he abolishes the law of the commandments and ordinances, and he might create a new man in place of the two. Verse 16 talks about him reconciling us both unto God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. 
And then it says he preached and came peace for you who are afar off and peace for you who are new. For in him we both have access in one spirit. I want you to see what that access is. That access is, this isn't an ethnic faith. This isn't a, a ritualistic faith to, hey, everyone's open. Everyone's part of this family. It doesn't matter where you came from. It only matters where you're going. The book of Romans pictures it as adoption. What happens when you get adopted? We went through this process with my oldest son. Uh, he's biologically mine, but uh, he belongs to my first wife who's now with Jesus. And when he got adopted, the birth certificate was even changed. You get that? A new name, a new identity. That's what Christ does for us. He gives us access. You know what that means? That means if you came in here this morning and you're broken and you're an addict and you're stressed and you're dealing with depression, that means Jesus loves you. That means if you came in here this morning and you're happy and you're joyful and you're growing in Christ, Jesus loves you. But what it doesn't mean is that Jesus loves the happy and the joyful person less or more that he loves that person struggling, right? He loves us all the same. Why? Because we're all his children if we've been adopted into his family. So what's that look like? What's that look like? Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 19 to 22, what's that look like? Talks about, so then we are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the, chief, uh, being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being built together grows into the holy temple of the Lord. In him you are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That picture there is a new society, a new culture, a new structure. No longer strangers and aliens. Now, if I looked around the room, I could see some of you are stranger than others. Just making sure everybody's still awake. Um, but it's talking about the concept of we aren't part of just... Have you ever visited someone's house the first time and you felt awkward you ever been in a house the first time and you just you don't know where things are you don't just the little things right like you know you get in somebody's big house and you know I grew up in a little house everybody knew where every room was because when you open the door you could pretty much see all the rooms from opening the door. You like you open the door. There's the kitchen. There's the living room. There's the restroom. And you hope they figure there's probably a couple bedrooms. But sometimes, and some of y'all got houses. I've been in them where you open the door. And you're like, I don't know where the restroom is. And that's always the awkward thing to ask, isn't it? I, I don't know why it is. That's just our culture and how we think. But he says, you're no longer strangers, you're no longer aliens, but you're part of the family. What's that mean? That means God's house is our house. That means the house isn't, 
is for the, the sinner, the publican, and the preacher, right? The house is for all of them. See, I just knocked over my guitar. No, just. <laughs> it's in the house, right? We all have access to the house because it's not our house. It's our Father's house. Some of you might have a hard time understanding that because you grew up with abusive fathers. Can I just say to you, Jesus is a father to the fatherless. He loves you. Your earthly father might not have, but he loves you. Part of a spiritual house, the Bible talks about us being joined together with Christ. The foundation being his word through the apostles and prophets. But then it talks about us being joined together. Realize something. By the way, I, I want you to, because there's, sometimes you just have to hit theology when it's there. Uh, and there are two theologies you got to hit here uh, because there's a debate between the two. And so I'm just going to, how many like theology? Okay. The rest of you can check out for a couple minutes. Uh, <laughs> hopefully y'all like the, theology is teaching about Jesus. So we always make it like a dry term. But uh, someone says to me, well, you know, there can only be, and they make it an either or, but I'm going to make it an and here this morning, and I'll offend everybody uh, to make it an and. They say, well, you know, it's talking about a universal church, and Christ is built on the universal church. Is that in some way true? Yes, because he's the foundation of every church. But Christ is also omnipresent, which means he can be everywhere at the same time, which means he's the foundation of every local assembly of believers as well. Now, sometimes you hear that taught in the either or, but it's really hard to hear that taught in the either or. Am I right, Jeff? It's hard to hear that. You can't do that in the either or because it has to be both. Because if Christ didn't build church on the rock, we need to leave, right? <laughs> but if Christ isn't saving people all over the world, we probably need to quit doing missions, right? But he's got to do both. It has to be both. Because Why? And the whole structure being joined together builds a holy temple. And then it says, in him, you are also, and that's a universal application to all believers, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. How do you function in construction? How do you function when there's a mess? You realize the Spirit of God is building it. What's the Spirit of God going to do? He's going to remind you what His plans are. I said something last Sunday morning. A couple, I, I, I got a couple weird looks when I said it, um, which happens sometimes. I don't know why. It just does. Um, I don't know what Christ is building here. I'm just happy to be a part of His building. Right? I... There's this idea we have in society and culture of like this crazy prophet, priest, king thing where one person has all the answers. Christ has all the answers. The Holy Spirit is the only person who can have all the answers. Can we have ideas and concepts? Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you some of the greatest ministry ideas I had in my life have been abject failures. You know why? Because they weren't Christ-centered. They were centered, if I'm to be honest, they were centered on me. 
They're centered on what I thought was a good idea, not what Christ thinks. Because when we switch our thinking that we are built together in a dwelling place by God for the Spirit, that means Christ is doing the building. How does Christ build us all together? It's that simple lesson in Sunday school you learned when you were like five years old, right? Read your Bible, pray every day. Some of y'all are like, please don't sing anymore. Uh, uh, my wife can confirm I was actually a choir director at a church. The church closed, but I was a choir director at it uh, before it closed. Um, uh, and you'll know why if you ever hear me sing that song longer. Uh, but that idea is simply this. As we read, as we pray, as we study God's Word, as we're acting out what the Scripture is telling us to do every morning, He builds us together. He builds the structure. We need to quit putting all that on us. We need to quit looking at, at what happens every day. By the way, parent, if you're having a problem in your house that way, Christ is building your kids. Some of your kids might look more like finished projects at 8 than some of the other ones do at 18 or 28, right? But Christ is doing the building, so don't be discouraged. What do you need to do? Just be faithful. Why? Because His Word is faithful. Keep doing the right thing even when it's painful to do. Keep doing the right thing even when it hurts. Some of you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not having a problem there, but I'm having a problem in my marriage that way. Or I'm, I'm having a problem in my dating relationship that way. Keep honoring Christ. Let Him build it. Because I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. Um, there have been times that I have not tried to build my personal relationship with my spouse on Christ, and it failed. You know why? Because I relied on her to do what only Christ could do. Why? Because he's the one. It's a triangle thing. I, this wasn't in the notes. So, Jason, you read my notes while you were up here. This is just extra. Um, the idea of this, that is a triangular relationship, what's that mean? One on one side, one on the other side, husband and wife, and Christ in the middle. Because if it gets the other way, that thing doesn't balance right. There's no level to it. Whatever Christ is working on today in your life, let him build it. Don't step in the way. I'll ask someone to let the musicians know that we'll be closing in just a couple minutes if someone could do that. Um, but just that idea of what Christ is doing is so much more important than anything that we can do. In it. Why? Because we're all built on that structure of him. Every foundation. If you don't build your family on Christ, what happens? Messes up. You don't build your, your, your husband-wife relationship on Christ, you'll mess it up. You don't build the church on Christ, it ends up messed up. Because it can't function without the person who was made to make it all function together. Everything is built on him, and nothing is built without him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you as we go into this time of invitation. Lord, if there's someone here struggling in their relationship, if they're not building it on you, Lord, I pray this morning they would come and lay down that, 
that foundation and put that foundation back on you again and away from self. Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that you would continue to work. Lord, we know that you are always working for our good because you love us. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you guys want to stand again so we can worship.
trust what you say that you're good and your love is great i'm broken inside i give you my life all right challenge of the week as you go out this week I want you to share your story with somebody. Find someone and let them know what your life is built on, the foundation of Jesus. Thank you guys so much for being here. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear God, Lord, we thank you once again for your word. Lord, we thank you for being our cornerstone. Lord, we pray that if there's one here that doesn't have you in their life, that has not asked you to save them. Lord, that they'll do that before they walk out the doors. Lord, I pray as we go out this week that we can tell someone our story. And Lord, I pray that you are the center of that story. And Lord, I just ask that you'll just continue to watch over us here at Church on the Rock. Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have a good week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.